ASI, episode 18, some 80s music to kick off the show today. Right, that band is called the Talking Heads, and it's, you know, I love that song because it shows this kind of angst in discernment, you know. The song is called Same As It Ever Was, and it's kind of like the, the writer, you know, the, the, the writer of the song in his poetry through this music, you know, he's saying like, yeah, things change, and then there's things that don't change, right? Which is which is which is going to win? Which is real? Which is the you know which defines me? The word today is subjective. No, subjective is the word. Not that I'm I'm going to use a word that's subjective. No, the word itself is subjective. All right. Uh, I, I, I said that, and then I listened to myself, and I'm like, wait, you know, like, pause. The word today is subjective. Okay, what's the word then? <laughs> right? <laughs> Define subjective. That's my, ah, put that in parentheses. Let's do that. I know, I'm having some fun with the word there. Now, listen, there is some level complexity to this word, and I want to point that out and go into that some today. Uh, the last episode, the zombie metaphor, right? I started to talk about, you know, the zombie metaphor again as a part two and really getting at some of this new cognitive science on, you know, our, our temporal lobe and self-talk, really, you know. It's not just that we have this emotional part of us that drives us sexually and, you know, aggressively, and we're, eh, we're like lizard creatures, you know, the lizard brain, Russ, don't you know? You can't change it, you can't stop it. Kind of like the, the zombies, right? Um, no, I, I don't believe that. I believe we're a spirit with a body, and yes, we do have the flesh. The Bible's going to talk about that. The flesh, right? devil, the pride of life. Um, but what does that look like? It, it, it has a lot to do with self-talk. And, and how subjective is your self-talk? Um, again, this word, talk about layers. You know, I believe that there's three different layers of our identity. I've talked about that before. 
uh, it's kind of like the word compromise. I've heard a lot of Christians and recovery people who will say, well, just don't compromise. You just can't, you put yourself in a compromising position or situation and it's like, okay. I mean, that, that's another one of those words that requires, you know, it, it creates some dissonance and it requires some definition, right? Layered definition. Because for some people, you know, if you want to replace the, the temptation word with the word triggers, there's some people who will leave their house and, and walk to the store and that is compromise, right? They put themselves in a compromising position just by doing that. Well, I turned my TV on. Well, don't why did you compromise? You know, it's like what? I, I, I don't know. You need to explain some of that a little more. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm a thinker and I, I question things. But that's that's rational, right? I mean, that's what we ought to do. It's not just you know you just want to drink the Kool Aid, right? I guess if there's any word I was struggling to communicate and articulate is self-talk. Behind your eyes, your self-talk is going to continue to drive who you are and who you will be in the future. Um, you heard people say, do people change really? I mean, really on the inside? Do, do people really change um, in their hearts? Is there is there really, you know, a part... Some part of me is always going to be, you know, this guy, right? And there's some truth to that, right? Like, I believe that God puts a, a, an individual spirit in every single person. And, and that part of us is part of God's glory, you know? Uh, and if it's not defiled and stained by the world, you know, and maybe God can peel back the layers sometime. But, yeah, there's, there is a, you get what I'm saying? Like, there is a part of us that when people say that, do people really change, really um, you know, there, there's a, a personality or something to, to people that is going to stay the same. Now, follow me here, okay? There's also a part of us that's always changing. You know, that's what I started the podcast. I said that, and it's absolutely true. You are changing. You're, you're changing every single day. You're changing and growing, depending on what you say to yourself, what you feed on, right, your your spirit, your mind, that has a lot to do with, with who you're going to be. But listen, trends change, um, music changes, your friendships will change over the years, co-workers, um, the, the amount of trust and, you know, relationship that you have with people, those things do change over time. I guess what I want to communicate, what I'm struggling to communicate here is, again, you know, talking about, like in the last show, with the, the lizard mind, as the evolutionary biologist would say, and how naive it is to call that fleshy part of our temporal lobe our heart or our spirit. Subjective is the word. Uh, yeah, okay, last episode, I didn't use a word in the title. I used the zombie part two, kind of going into the zombie metaphor. You know, this is kind of a response to some email and stuff I got. Um, but, listen, if you've tried and failed a lot, like, a lot, you know, and I get that, man. I remember being stuck 
and, and trying over and over and failing over and over. And there's this temptation to just quit, you know? I'm just going to quit. I'm going to quit right here. I'm going to just give in to that part of my zombie-like brain that just wants to feed, you know? And that's something that I, I talked about in the last show, um, realizing what cold-heartedness is. It seems like the heart is the coldest when our will and emotions collide, you know, we, we know what we ought to do, but we're not doing it, so we, you know, we let our heart take over. But that's not your heart, right? So a lot of people will say that, oh, well, just follow your heart. Well, what, what does that mean? Because a lot of people will equate that with, again, that temporal lobe part of your brain and, and that's just cold heartedness it just becomes all about you you know narcissism as Freud would say it's actually a term from the Greek uh, mythology where this guy Narcissus looks into this pool of water sees his reflection in there and falls so in love with himself that he sits there and stares at himself until he dies Alright, that's where the word narcissism comes from. It's an analogy by uh, Freud. Um, it's a pretty brilliant analogy, really. But, again, I want you to be mindful of what voices you're listening to, right? Your own self-talk and how you're going to fight and how you're going to live today. What does it look like to just be today? To just live, to just get through today in peace and in harmony and without that thing taking over, right? Without zombies trying to munch away at you. See, grace is, like my friend Justin Holcomb says, one-way love, right? And he got that from a, an old church father. I don't remember who it was, but I'm going to give Justin credit. Because I know, I know Justin's name, right? Anyway, um, one-way love. That's what grace is. And I want to focus on this, that freedom is at the foot of the cross. That in Jesus we find freedom. And when you get that, and when that message hits you in the heart, you know, that collision with your heart, and you get that, right? It's gonna, it's gonna try and fade. The voices are gonna come in, you know, zombie voices want, you know, want you to be a living dead thing, right? And they're gonna come in and they're gonna try and steal that peace from you. They're gonna come in and try and redefine freedom for you. And I'm praying that man, you just stay firm, you stay steadfast. And you realize the voice of that fleshy nature, right? At the foot of the cross is freedom. Jesus bought and purchased our freedom. It's not about what you do. It's about what he did. And again, realizing, check this out. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's realizing, you know, not believing lies and realizing the definition of real freedom. It says 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, and it starts in verse, I'm going to start off here in verse 5. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all-surpassing power from God and not from us. Right? Now that takes some unpacking. All of that takes some unpacking, but especially verse 7. Let me read that again. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power that is from God and not from us. I've said this a bunch of times in this podcast. I don't have enough willpower to overcome sexual addiction on my own. That's not what this show is about. This show is about focusing on the power that comes from Jesus Christ to set captives free. But that's not why it exists, right? That's not why faith in Christ exists, so that you would just get achieve the goal of, you know, having sexual self-control. It's, you know, that can be an idol. That can be above Jesus. That can be above your love for God. Um, like I talked about in the last show, the, the temporal lobe and, and, you know, the amygdala and what evolutionary biologists would call our heart, right? That's just your reptilian brain, your heart. You know, it's something that should go away, they used to say in the 60s and 50s, right? This logic-based discipline psychology. No, man, we have a heart and we have a spirit and we also have the flesh, but it's also to remind us that, you know, in our flesh, you know, Paul says, I put no confidence in my flesh. All right. In my flesh, it's a jar of clay. It's just a, it's a, <laughs> this is kind of, here's the actual Greek translation of what Paul's talking about when he says jars of clay. It's actually called a chamber pot. Now, this is something that is a first century reference that we wouldn't understand today in modern, uh, you know, 21st century Western world. Um, a chamber pot is, is a toilet, all right? A chamber pot is kind of like a bedpan that you put in a room to, to use to, to go to the bathroom in. Okay, that's what he's talking about when he says jars of clay. He is um, making a metaphor or a parable of our flesh being like a, a toilet, right? A bedpan, a chamber pot. And it's like what he's saying here is when your spirit gets caught up in what your flesh wants to do, it's like putting your treasure in a chamber pot. Many times it's what our spirit is doing and our heart, our flesh, gets caught up in. It becomes making sex an object of worship. And when we worship and serve the created thing rather than the creator, our body, our flesh, becomes enslaved to that thing, you know? And that's where I'll totally agree with this dude, Jeremy Wolf, I'm listening to at MIT, who says that, you know, your body becomes a slave to your brain. Your habit-forming, association-building, right, environment. You, you become a slave to your environment, you conform to your tribe, and your mind just keeps building more and more little connections, right, 
like silkworm webs that turn to cables, we become a slave to our brain. Your soul resides someplace else. Your soul is going to live on without your body. And this, you know, temporal lobe, what they call the lizard brain, it's going to rot. It's going to go on the ground. See, when we neglect the fact that we do have a spiritual life, the self becomes the object of worship, and those spider webs become thicker and thicker cables. It's the temptation underneath all temptations that we would worship ourselves. It's the number one scripture verse law in the Satanic Bible. Do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. You know? And I did what... You know, I did... Here's the deal. Part of my passion for doing the show is I lived on that dark side for so long that it's like I peeked into the devil's playbook and, 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 I, and I stole some stuff. Right? I was a drug dealing, addicted, jacked up, uncaring, sociopath criminal. Alright? And I looked into his playbook and I stole a couple things, alright? Here's, here's one big thing that the devil does. He does not want you to have pleasure long term. He wants to give you just enough pleasure to enslave you. To get you stuck. To keep you stuck in a trap just long enough for that fleshy mass inside your chest to stop beating. And then he's got you for good. The devil is real and that really is his goal. Is to, is to destroy you. To have your affections totally consumed by your own self-grandizement, right? To have your affections stirred only by what pleases you in the moment. To have you turn from God rather than to Him. To turn your heart off towards God. In, in a way that has you turn your back on him. To run from him when things get painful, hard, dull, stale. He wants you to run from God rather than to him. Ultimately, his goal is to have you put your whole spiritual affection and energy into this fragile, breakable jar of clay that is your own spirit, your own self. I want to leave you with a video that I recorded uh, yesterday on the YouTube uh, video blog sessions. It was just where I was at and, and thinking about some of you all and, and reflecting on, you know, my own, you know, discernment in struggling with where I was and what voices I was going to listen to in defining who I am. Here you go. Hey everybody, it's me again, Russ Shaw, in the gritty city. Doing another one of these here dash cam sessions. And, there you are. Um, relapse. I got emails over the years from people struggling with recovery and and relapse and the temptation to 
to give up, you know, to quit on, on trying to change because they feel so, you know, owned by, by the behavior, you know, by the addiction. And, you know, my heart for doing the podcast and doing these little video session blog things here is, is to tell you that, man, there's hope, all right? I, I've been there. I know what it's like to feel like you're crazy. Like, you know, I said I was never going to do this, and I did it again. You know, I, I just, uh, I remember, I remember feeling that way. I remember um, just tears in my eyes and, and, and just, uh, you know, just being so, like, frustrated. Frustrated with my own behavior and, and tempted to, to, to just, you know, give up. I'm broken, I'm flawed, I'm messed up, and I can't change. I remember feeling like the tempting, this tempting, you know, kind of comfort in, in saying that. And it's, and you know that's a lie, right? You, you know it's not going to be comfortable after you, you give in to that again. It just isn't. So... I, I guess my my heart for doing this little session is to remind you again that that there is freedom for you and if I can do this right if, if God can set me free from this if I can do some of these simple you know mind level disciplines and and I can pray and ask God for the for the the strength to, to, to walk through this season, man, so can you, alright? I want you to know that. I want you to get back up, and, and, and if you've relapsed, I don't know where you're at, if it's been a few years, if you're just tempted, I, I don't know. But it, it just get back up and, 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 and take this thing on, you know? You've got to fight this. You've got to fight it with everything you've got. You cannot quit. You know that that voice in your head is lying to you, and it, and it feels easy. And then after you, you know, relapsed five times in one week, and you just feel like crap, and you feel like that kind of zombie, right? You had a one listener talking about how he just, you know, dragging himself around and going to work the next day, and just feeling like, uh, you know, not alive, man. Keep on fighting. You get the attitude that you're going to get back up. You may have gotten knocked down, but you're going to get back up, and you're going to fight this thing again. And it's going to tell you that you're weaker, right? You fell again. Look at you, weakling. No, that's not true. You're stronger because you keep getting back up. So you get back up. And you pray, and you ask God, and you, you get back on your knees again and ask God for strength, and you get back up. It's called perseverance, man. You persevere through this. You can do this. Don't quit. Don't believe the lie. Get back up and fight, all right? You're not stuck this way. If I were to believe that lie, man, I'm not. I'm not. I'm getting back up. You get back up, all right? I'm six years clean from this thing. It's been six years. I've been free from this thing. I, I, that's miraculous. I didn't think I could get there. But I am there. And can I tell you something? It's awesome to, to know that 
that that voice in my head that said that I was stuck, that I was never going to change, that I was going to just be this, you know, sexually addicted, perverse freak all my life, was wrong. It was wrong. And whatever's telling you that, it's wrong. You get back up. You keep fighting, all right? Later. Perseverance in spiritual discipline. Again, that's another bumper there by the talking heads. It weighs on my heart to, to really communicate this well. You know, being a Christian doesn't make you perfect, but it puts you on a journey. You're, on, you're, you're growing spiritually. It's easy to look at other Christians and say, well, look at that guy. He doesn't have, you know, this uh, Holy Spirit, Shekinah glory, you know, pouring out of him. Yeah, but he's on his own journey, right? I mean, you got to think about what's going on behind your eyes. It's easy to judge other people and, and use that to neglect your own spiritual life, right? C.S. Lewis had a great point. He said, even the wicked guy who you see and think, that guy calls himself a Christian, really? You have no idea how worse it may be if he didn't, right? You may see a transformed guy at a certain point in his life, and if he had not had that transformation to that, you know, halfway point or quarter of the way point, he may be even more demonstrably evil than you can imagine. All right? We see people growing at certain points. It's like, you know, you put a kid up against the wall and you put the little pencil mark and to, to monitor their growth, right? You, hey, this is where you're at. You don't know where other people are at. You can judge and what does that judgment do in your heart based on your own spiritual growth? It is important to walk with people who will let you trust you enough to have you behind the counter of their lives so they can actually you know, confide, confide in you on, on where they're growing. You know, That's part of being the church, having behind the counter, non-fake, Jesus is changing me. It's not about me people, all right? Christians have freedom in Christ. That's the point of you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That comes from John 8. It starts in verse 32. And Jesus is talking to the religious guys, right? The people with that kind of attitude, you know. Well, look at all those sinners. You know, why does your teacher hang out with sinners? Why do you go to the tax collector's house and have dinner, right? Jesus is talking to these guys, and he says, "He says we are Abraham's descendants, right? That one of the the Pharisees. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You know, he's talking about slavery here, and he's talking about that fleshy kind of slavery to our own brains. And for these guys, their sin is their own slavery to their own self righteousness." And then God knows what's going on behind the scenes because you can't be honest about your sin if you're hiding it, right? 
Jesus replied, Very truly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Just like my friend Jeremy Wolf at MIT is talking about, right? Oh, man. Very truly, I say to you, Jesus says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. In verse 35, Jesus is making this metaphor here. He's saying that if you're, if you're a slave to your flesh, then you're kind of in and out, right? Like a slave who works in a house, it's usually not like slavery like we know today, you know, someone who's forced against their will. A lot of times a slave that worked in a guy's house had a job and he worked there and he was like in and out of the house. But when he left your house, he wasn't free, he was just a slave to somebody else's house. But if you're in the family, and that's Jesus' point here, verse 36, he says, if you're in the family, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And these, But the religious guys, they didn't see that they were slaves. They didn't realize that they are slaves too. So to finish my jars of clay story, Verse 7 talks about, you know, uh, having treasure in our flesh is like having treasure in a chamber pot, right? A jar of clay. But we, because of the surpassing power of Christ, check this out. Verse 8 continues with this kind of perseverance, and I love this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, even with the small amount of faith. Sorry, I'm, I'm entering in there. Uh, I'll start over. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. That word manifest actually means to like shine through our bodies. There's this scene where Jesus is driving a demon out of this, this little kid. And it's also, it's in Matthew 17, right around verse 17. And he's also getting frustrated with his people. He actually says, you unbelieving, perverse generation, Jesus says. He's frustrated with the disciples, with the people. And, and, he, and he drives this demon out of this little boy. And one of the disciples comes up and says, hey, how come, how come we couldn't do that? You know, how come we couldn't do that? And Jesus says, because your faith is so small. He says, if you can have the, the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Can I tell you something? When I was addicted, when I was stuck, uh, being free for me seemed about that impossible. As t telling a mountain to, to move over there and, and having it move, you know. It, it was like that inside me to, to move me. I, the fact that I'm free from this is miraculous and, and I pray that you guys get that but it is because of putting my faith in Jesus Christ it really is and listen I don't know what demons you're fighting whether you have real spiritual oppression or it's just believing these demonic lies about yourself that you've been told by someone or that you know you just kind of had this voice in your head telling you just horrible things about who you are i'm not sure what your demons are you know whether it's the demons of addiction you know the depression the anxiety whatever your demons are they're very real they will make you feel a certain way you can't just slam on the brakes and change the way you feel overnight 
But can I tell you something? Jesus is real as well. And he is way more powerful than those demons. In the New Testament, demons are scared of Jesus. There's two things demons know about Jesus in the New Testament. A, they know exactly who he is. You know, they're not going, oh, well, maybe he's the son of God or maybe he's, you know, deity, you know, incarnation, God in human flesh. Like they're not struggling with that at all. They know exactly who he is and they are terrified of him. See, when you start praying in Jesus' name, when you start asking Jesus, when you start, you know, invoking the name of Christ, that is incredibly powerful. Because, can I tell you something? Strong faith in a weak object will not help you. But if you have weak faith in a strong object like Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? I don't have the strongest faith in the world. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you probably know that, realize that. I'm not Mr. Gung-Ho, you know, faith boy. But I take what faith I have and I put it in a very strong object, which is Jesus Christ, which is God in human flesh, which is the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is way better, infinitely better, to have a weak faith in a strong object than it is to have a strong faith in a very weak object. Are you saying that all religions are, are bad except for Christianity? No, I'm saying that all religion is bad. That at its roots, Christianity, you know, defining religion is helping uh, widows and orphans, as it says in, in James 1. Right, verse 27, verse 26, it says, do not be deceived. Don't let your tongue deceive you. If you don't put your faith in, the, in Jesus Christ, if you don't put your faith in that strong object, your religion is worthless. And then it goes on to uh, verse 27, which defines religion as having a heart to help out widows and orphans. Right? not putting on some robe and hat and furthering some agenda. It's about what Jesus is doing, not about what you're doing. When, when it becomes about what Jesus has done and is doing, there's strength and there's power in that, all right? I'm living proof. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough self-discipline to kick this thing called sexual addiction. I'll just tell you that right now. But I take the faith that I got and I put it in, in the strong place of, of who Jesus is. On my best day, my best struggling, white-knuckling day, it was still just 15% willpower and 85% that mustard seed of faith, that end-my-rope, poor-in-spirit kind of faith that got me through. I mean, that is the truth, all right? I love you guys. I'm going to end the show right there. Um, pray for me. I've chose to take a vacation. Can't afford it. Still going to do it. All right. I'm not taking a vacation because I can't afford it. I'm taking a vacation because I need to do it. You know, we're going to go see my wife's family down in LA and take a break from the show here for a while. And, uh, 
this is going to be in the first week of, of July. Um, so pray for me in that because, yeah, well, man, we're just still just broke busted. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate your prayers on that. It's been six years since I've seen my family down there. And my wife's family is my family. And it's going to be awesome to see those folks. And not just that, but it's also a week. You know, I, I've taken maybe three to four day vacations in the last six years. All right. You know, I've been kind of convicted by doing the Decalogue shows and what Sabbath is. And part of Sabbath is taking a vacation. So I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to be visiting with the family and just, you know, let myself be for a while, right, without working. So, again, pray for me in that. I need it, man, to slow myself down and, and to be with family and, you know, it's going to be awesome. So, but struggling because we're totally flat broke. So, again, keep me in your prayers. Again, my email address is russ at asi247.org. If you'd like to converse with me, if you'd like to, me to pray for you in something you're going through, if you want to share some, some stuff with the show, you can do that on the website, asi247.org. Um, like me on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff is on there. Um, donations, man. I'm not here to make a bunch of money. I'm not here to spend your money at Disneyland, all right? I am asking for donations. I am a minister trying to further a message. And if you want to get behind that message, man, I totally would appreciate that. Again, you can donate there at the website, asi247.org. I'm going to leave you with a song here by, again, the Citizens from Mars Hill Church Band. Um, I love this song. Some of the lyrics in this song, it's actually a very old hymn that's been uh, revised and, uh, right, it's been redone for, you know, Seattle rock and roll um, music style. But it's a very old hymn, and, and the words are very close to my heart. Uh, it's actually in my mission statement for this uh, this here ministry uh, the, the, some of the lyrics of that song the, the mission state it's seven prayers that's the mission statement for the ASI ministry if you want to check that out that's also on the website um, asi247.org um, I want you to remember this that the biggest death blow for your addiction long term is that faith right is not subjective that the the blood of jesus this song this is not just subjective uh, the synapses belief systems firing off in your brain to have you you know just be free as some kind of a fleshy circumstance or you know uh, behavior modification this is not subjective like that this is real all right the blood of jesus cleanses us that's not just again it's not subjective it is concrete real all right and believing that is the mustard seed of faith it's 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 not giving in to the doubt monster all right just having that little bit of faith, it, it, it's a death nail in the coffin. It, it's starting the journey, all right? 
it's countering the voice in my head that said that I'm dirty, that I'm defiled, that I'm never going to change, that I'm stuck this way forever. These words in this song totally flew in the face of that horrible, demonic, lying voice. Here it is. This is the Citizens um, with the very old hymn that got me through a lot of stuff. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What is it in my faith? You know, is it something I do? It was nothing but the blood of Jesus. My righteousness before God is not by me. All right? It's done by nothing but the blood of Jesus. That faith will pull you through. That faith will help you persevere. That faith, man, understanding that. Here it is. I love this tune. I'm going to end right here. Love you guys. Again, I mean that sincerely. And bye. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me But